Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of AusBiz. Our goal at AusBiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter, or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello, hello. It is the 9th of March. This is the COB podcast, the close of business. In case you were wondering, I'm Nadine Blaney here with David Scott. Scotty, you feeling good today? Uh, Bad question. How was your day? I was all right. Uh, yeah, my, my teeth are a bit sore. I had my wisdom teeth taken out last <laughs> week, everyone. And uh, I've been complaining to the other team, but yeah, a bit sore, but yeah, I'm battling through it nonetheless. On the mend. On the mend. I'm still smiling anyways. So if we take a look at uh, the local market... Yeah, again, it's probably a case of good, could have been better, uh, but pretty good. I mean, even some of the really big losers early in the session, and I'm thinking in the tech space, you know, the buy now, pay later names, after pay, still ended down significantly, close to 5%, but halved the earlier losses from yes. the early stages of the session. Yes, but I thought it was pretty instructive. Uh, no, that I thought that it'd actually be you know, not uh, the kind of reaction. We saw some pretty aggressive selling in recent sessions in their tech names. And I thought, you know, after what we saw last night, of course, you know, NASDAQ got hit hard, but no, it wasn't uh, no, absolutely slammed. But uh, some of the scale of those falls in the buy now, pay later in particular really suggested that a lot of those so-called diamond hands were quickly turning into uh, to paper hands and, and scurrying for the exit rather rapidly on that decline. And, Realistically, the uh, the turnaround in the market uh, today happened in China, where there was some intervention from the uh, Chinese state-backed uh, investment funds to go and stabilise their markets after some pretty pronounced falls early on, and that helped our market. But you put that and say, like, well, is that something that's going to be sustainable longer term to go and support these uh, no markets if we see yields continue to climb higher? I'm a little bit sceptical. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned diamond hands, paper hands. You can almost feel. Uh, the interest in the likes of, you know, Kathy Woods from ARK and talking about a lot of the losses that some of these investors and these high growth names are taking on. But in fact, it's, it's the late stage investors in these stories because just using Tesla for an example, I mean, the stock was up close to 700% in 2020. So if you were in after the lows last year, you're still doing very, very well. But yeah, I don't know if you notice it. There's just almost a bang for um, blood in some ways when it comes to these high growth names um, in this rotation that we're seeing happen. But, you know, again, perspective is everything. If you bought Afterpay March 23rd, March 24th, you're still doing pretty well. Yeah, you can't go and complain. But uh, yeah, that bang for blood's an interesting one. Uh, 
I found that there was a lot of arrogance and a lot of uh, people who were kind of a bit snotty and uh, I was like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And a lot of inexperienced people were saying that. Um, and I kept banging on and saying like, yeah, you wait till the bond market turns and no, we start seeing risk-free, risk-free rates start to go and climb and see what happens now. I don't want to wish losses on anyone, but it's part of a process of learning to become a better investor. Uh, scenarios where to go and take the, the money and run uh, or when to go and hold on. If we start seeing yields really start to back up, and I think there's a risk that we're going to see that, uh, you know, and it could be you know, later this week we have some uh, some events that could go and spark that. Uh, it's going to get quite gnarly in those names, and as the uh, you know, the rush of the exits occur, it can get really quite disruptive. So, not to go and say that uh, I don't want to see people wiped out and everything else, but it's a learning process, and I can honestly say that uh, I was there many moons ago at the end of the other uh, tech wreck. So um, I know exactly what uh, some of these new investors are going through right now. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, truth be known, if we look at the sectors today that underperformed, it was energy, it was materials, and of course, infotech, as we've been mentioning. But uh, on the other side of the equation, because still a positive session, I mean, the XJO finishing up by about half of a percent, uh, it was the industrials, it was the consumer discretionary, and uh, the utilities space also looking pretty good. Now, one of those events later in the week that you're alluding to in terms of where we could see the next significant move in uh, yields, presumably it's those treasury auctions that are coming up after what many called a disastrous uh, auction last year for the seven years. So, uh, yeah, walk us through sort of like um, game game the scenarios, the different scenarios that could play out then, Scotty. Oh, we're going to see, we want to see a big bid to cover ratio. So we want to see lots of offers in there to go and take up this new demand. Uh, we don't want to go and see a weak number where it's left back to uh, you know, the uh, agency banks to go and fill in the gap to go and, uh, and, and mop up the remaining issuance. Because uh, last time the uh, the demand was just simply not there. And there's been a variety of uh, I know factors that have been put down. And I know uh, a lot of people are trying to go and put together what potentially may have caused that. But uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, growth and inflation expectations are improving by the day. And uh, people are not so much willing to go and take on the risk of having a 10-year investment that could be you know, deep in the red by the mm-hmm. time, I know, within just a few months. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, no data, significant data, I should say, on the horizon in the U.S. tonight. But to Scuddy's point, the data has been strong. Jobs data has been relatively strong. Yes, we do have the Fed and the U.S. Treasury Secretary talking down to a certain degree. The jobs data talking down, job boning down, even inflation expectations. But the truth will be, you know, proof will be in the pudding, as they do say. So we're watching that with much interest. And, of course, how it impacts your holdings, potentially. And uh, we've got a number of interviews that are in the newsletter or accessible via the show notes where we, we sort of flesh out where some of the opportunities might be. Because don't forget, volatility does breed opportunities. Uh, listen, we are watching the Australian dollar come under a bit of pressure. You've written a little bit about currency hedging. We think, I think we've still got some thoughts coming through in the wake of reporting season. Yeah, I was... Uh I was on air with Annette, and uh, Annette's obviously got a background in FX as well. And um, we came off air, and I think it was one of those uh, days where we had about a billion uh, chief executive uh, interviews in the hour that we're on. And um, we lost count how many times we were just doing the same conversations. Like, no, what are you doing with the hedging strategy? Because they're complaining about the higher Aussie dollar and the like. And um, I went and had a look at some of the uh, the hedging policies after the uh, after the fact to go and see what was going on there. And um. There's so little hedging activity going on, or none at all. And I was surprised. Some of these companies whose 
entire revenue base comes from offshore sources. No FX whatsoever. Surprise. And um, I, I've asked a couple of chief executives on the uh, the program, particularly from uh, the tech sector, and like maybe where they're in their really fast growth and great concepts and the like. But so no, just the basic principles. Like no, so what are you going to do to go and hedge your your currency risk exposure uh, if you earn a lot of you no know, US dollars and the like? And then some flippant remarks sometimes is like, oh, don't need to worry about it. It's like. Dude, you need to worry about it if 100% of your revenue stream comes in US dollars. And uh, look, it's interesting now the Aussie dollars pull back a little bit. I just wonder whether some people are sitting there going, well, maybe uh, you know, now's the time to go and do some hedging activity because you know, a lot of people are still talking about Aussie into mid 80 cent level. Mm-hmm. Yes, the US dollars had a bounce, but nothing in this world in markets moves in a straight line, not even bond yields, not even tech stocks. Uh, it, uh, you do have little, you know, little hiccups along the way and little trend changes within a, a broader trend. Uh, so it's just interesting to see that. But look, if these companies want to get don't know, seriously big and like go and have an advantage over others, and we know how competitive it is out there, one of the basic premises, hey, you should go and have a really strong policy when it comes to FX uh, hedging activity and know what you want to go and do to go and prevent uh, missteps when it comes to earnings disappointment. And that's right across the board. I mean, miners, everybody else. And uh, to your point, CBA today, even with some of the pressure coming in on the Australian dollar, seeing the US dollar rise, uh, they are still forecasting that the Aussie dollar will peak at 83 US cents by the end of the third quarter 2021. So nobody's really adjusting dramatically lower their Aussie dollar forecasts at this stage of the game. All right, stock of the day, West African Resources, WAF is the ticker code. It was out today with a 10-year mining plan for its San Dorado Gold Operations. Uh, It's in Burkina Faso, so a bit of sovereign risk you've got to think in there as well. Don't listen to me. Here's Howard Coleman from The Call, or sorry, from Team Invest and Gary Glover from Novus Capital with their thoughts on WAF. Interesting chart on uh, West, mm. Western African here. We've sort of had a really big three-wave correction, which is sort of, that's the sort of typical uh, correction you normally see in markets. Right. And gold's been very unfavorable for quite a while here now, used up a lot of time. Yeah. So a lot of the stocks are kind of suppressed here. So uh, they're on my radar at the moment, a lot of the gold stocks there, having a look through those, trying to work out which ones I would prefer to look at. Right. At the moment here, we're kind of making new lows. Yeah. So I would like to see a you know maybe a series of a first higher low sort of uh, see some sort of volume come in see a pullback on uh, on less volume just a bit of a consolidation just see something positive start to start to drill there but the sector is definitely on the radar at the moment because it's totally out of favour. They've been regularly calling on their shareholders to put more money into the company. They've never paid a dividend, and they're in a country Burkina Faso, which is been independent from France since about 1960 and has had in that time probably somewhere close to 10 coup d'etats where the government's been turfed out violently and replaced by a new president and a new government. So with the huge sovereign risk combined with the fact that this company's never made a profit but has consistently raised more money from shareholders, uh, Team Invest members would take one look at this and say uh, definitely doesn't fit what we're looking for. And that is the view from our two expert guests on West African Resources, WAF. Listen, um, I've known Howard Coleman for a long time. When I saw that this was stock of the day, I thought there is no way that's going in the call portfolio. And guess what, Scuddy? Guess what? 
bit of bit of Western African resources are a thousand. It's not going in. It's not going in. Not going in. Yeah, <laughs> we had a thousand percent gain over five years. We saw on the charts. Yeah, charts are interesting. Uh, yeah, you're going to know how to read a chart, right? Okay, John Blank, Chief Equity Strategist at Zach's Investment Research at 8.30 a.m. I'm looking forward to speaking with Mary Manning, CIO at Ellerston Capital, particularly with some of the questions that are being raised about EM in this environment, about the flow of capital that may be considering the U.S. now as the best house on what's a pretty shabby block. Do you reckon I've missed my opportunity to go write about it in The View? Because I, I, I did, I remember when that uh, the China Grow Target came out, and you never trust the China Grow Target, it's like bollocks, but uh, when I saw it come out on Friday, I was like, oh, gee, that's a bit skinny. That was my first, yeah, yeah. first remark, and uh, that's uh, really had a pronounced impact, and it's really changed sentiment towards uh, not only the Asian emerging markets, but just more broadly. So I'm wondering, is it, am I too late to go and write about it? No, we'll just find you a fresh angle. There is always one, Scotty. Um, but yeah, that's a story that we're watching because if you recall just two months ago, starting out in 2021, it was all about EM, wasn't it? You know, that was one of the big narratives that we were discussing. So yeah, Mary Manning's thoughts on that, regardless. Uh, she runs an Asian fund, Indian fund as well. Um, we'll be talking to her about that. And uh, we've got Megan Victor, MD of State Street Global Advisors on at 145. And uh, we'll finish the day off, Scotty. I'm already looking forward to it with Ben Clark, PM at TMS Capital. So we'll get stock specific to end the day. All indications in this room right now, people, is that we need to end the day here, Scotty. I need my my painkillers. (laughs) I hope you feel better. I do. I do too. Thank you for listening. We'll speak tomorrow. See you tomorrow. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>